So I want to make sure that we're giving our students all of the opportunities they need for success and that we're not misrepresenting the reality to our parents and our public. Welcome back, I'm Don Haddad, superintendent for the St. Rain Valley Schools and I'm just getting ready to go for a walk here and doing some thinking about a topic that's been really front of mind for a while and that's the accreditation process that we use in Colorado to accredit our schools and our school districts and some of the concerns that I have with our current accreditation system in Colorado. Now one of the things that I've oftentimes believed is that to measure the quality of a student's success or a school's success or a teacher's success or a school district's success, it's much more complicated than you might ever recognize if you're simply looking at a test score that a student engages in in a moment of time over a couple of days during the course of a school year. And so I think it's important that we take a look at this. And in fact, our district actually submitted some legislation that was passed into law that would now require Colorado's education accreditation system to be audited. And I think that that's significant because this is a system that's been around for decades. And I don't believe that it's been looked at and scrutinized in a way that's consistent with the level of importance that we give it. I also want to state up front that I am not in favor of eliminating standardized testing. And I want to be clear about that. What I am advocating for is that we broaden our view of how we measure the success of our schools and our school districts. So the first thing that I have thought about is why do we report out to the public the percentage of students who are allegedly or speculatively, I guess you could say, reading at grade level when we actually administer the assessment two months before the grade level instruction has been completed. So in other words, in Colorado with the CMAS assessments, we actually administer the test at the beginning of April, which leaves two months in the year, but we report out to the public that it's an end of the year result. And I think that that's simply not accurate to say that a child is or isn't reading at grade level at the end of a year when the assessment has been given long before that grade has been completed. And we see with advanced placement tests and international baccalaureate tests and end of the unit final exams in schools that those are administered at the end of the learning process in order to determine competency around the issue. I also have looked at other scores with internal assessments that we administer at the end of the year that are very consistent in the content and our students are at a much higher level which stands to reason because they had two additional months of instruction. So I want to make sure that we're giving our students all of the opportunities they need for success and that we're not misrepresenting the reality to our parents and our public. Something else that I've wondered about is when we talk about a required assessment, which this is, why is it then that in Colorado where we have local control, does the State Department not have any direction or such little involvement with the graduation requirements that we expect of our children? So in other words, we're requiring an assessment, but we're leaving the graduation requirements 
completely up to local communities. Now, I am also in favor of local control, so I don't want to be misunderstood. But the assessments are designed to measure learning experiences and what kids have learned. And if each of the 178 school districts are allowed to develop their graduation requirements and some of the learning experiences that children have, then it stands to reason those may or may not be in alignment with the assessment. And something that I know about assessment is assessment is used to drive instruction. We look at what learning we expect our students to demonstrate and then we craft our instructional experiences accordingly. So this seems a little bit incongruent to me. Another thing that I've wondered about is, do these assessments truly measure achievement or are we inadvertently measuring something else, i.e. the socioeconomics of a school system or a community? And here's what I mean by that. When I look at the ways in which these scores are factored in, I wonder about the impact and the influence because everybody's held to the same standard, but everybody doesn't have the same resources. And so if you don't have the resources to extend learning opportunities, to provide learning experiences, to give students options and opportunities throughout the school year, throughout the summer, then how is it that we expect them to perform at a level consistent with students who in fact have access to those resources? That doesn't seem like it's a fair playing field or a fair assessment field. The other thing that I've come to understand is that our current assessment process actually measures some challenging characteristics of our children and our districts two and sometimes three times within the measurement process. So for example, if you're looking at a school district that has a large population of children that qualify for free and or reduced lunch who are living at or below the poverty line, that measure is measured across the board with all students. And so the impact there is that you might see a lower overall achievement score because poverty has an influence on achievement levels. But then when they go and look at the subgroups, if a large portion of your students are also in the subgroup of qualifying for free and or reduced lunch, then schools and school districts have a double challenge there that works against them in terms of the ultimate scoring. And so it really stands to reason that communities that have high levels of poverty and schools and school districts that have high levels of poverty are going to be at a significant disadvantage for a variety of reasons, including the way in which the assessments are scored. And that certainly doesn't line up like an assessment that's going to yield the kind of data that we need to be looking at. I also had a question this last year about participation rates because there's a requirement for a 95% participation rate in the state of Colorado and school districts and schools that don't meet that requirement are often lowered in terms of their accreditation score one level. Well this year for some reason the state made a decision to hold schools and districts harmless instead of waive that requirement. And it, felt as though that was somewhat unilateral in nature and it was a decision that made me wonder are we then seeing accurate results in terms of districts because if you have a district with a very low participation rate it stands to reason that that can have a significant impact on the results and yet we're not differentiating between that as we look at the final results of these test scores. The other thing that I have really been bothered by at some level 
is with all of the talk that we have in our state and our nation about what a child needs to be able to compete in a highly complex, competitive, global environment, these assessments do not speak to that. In other words, we're measuring output. We're measuring a score on a standardized test. What we're not looking at so much is what is the input? In other words, what is the district and the school, what are they actually doing to influence the output? Because if we don't look at specific characteristics and actions and criteria that a district is putting into the system for our children, then truly what we're actually measuring in large part is the socioeconomics of that community and that school. Because you can't give an accreditation rating without understanding fully what a school system is doing to influence the results. What kind of educational experiences are our children being given and what opportunities do they have available to them that's causing their scores to either go up or down? And that's an important element of this conversation. We have to measure input as well as output. And we also have to make sure that we are measuring success through a much broader lens. Because while I can support standardized testing, what I can't support is that it has become the significant measure of success for a child. And that's just simply too narrow and too misrepresentative. We have so many talented children that can do so many things and inadvertently, we're not recognizing that and promoting those types of successes. I think of a lot of these things and would like to have more conversations because at the end of the day, our public is counting on us to give them information that's real, that's accurate, that doesn't represent apples to oranges in terms of measurement, that they understand the nuances so that they can really understand the quality of their schools. Now, I have been in five school districts over my 38 years. I have been in school districts where the communities are extremely wealthy. I have been in districts that struggle socioeconomically. I have been in large districts. I have been in small districts. I have been in diverse districts. I have been in districts that aren't so diverse. And what I see across the board are excellent teachers throughout and talented students. And so the disparities in these results that we see, I oftentimes wonder if it's not because of the way in which we're measuring as opposed to the actual quality of a school or a school district. And every child out there has potential. And every child out there has a skill set and talent. And it's important that we cultivate a culture that allows for all of those talents to emerge and for every child to blossom. And so I think if we're going to put so much weight on our accreditation system, that it's important that we delve in deep and make sure that it is, in fact, a system that is accurate, that is inspirational, that is in alignment with what our children need so that we can move forward making sure that they are prepared for a highly competitive, complex, global environment. So I probably got a lot more to say because I'm passionate about this issue, but I'll leave it at that for now and hopefully follow up with some future conversations. So thanks for listening, and I hope that you will continue to log in and access my Champion Ed podcast. Take care and stay well. Thank you.